Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and we watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 3 on Disney+. Plus. So major spoilers for that and, well, essentially all of the MCU to this point. We also very briefly talked about the new Loki trailer, so highly recommend you watch that before you listen to the discussion. And then we watched Godzilla vs. Kong on HBO Max, or also in theater, so spoilers for that and I would say kind of the entire 2014 forward Kong and Godzilla franchises, although is there that much to spoil? Spoil, debatable. Then be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion as there are a couple follow-up points. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Falcon and Winter Soldier, we are now halfway through. What did you two think of this week's episode? I can't Madripoor. Yeah, I love that Madripoor is basically, you know, every Asian gambling city that it's ever Asian, existed. It's Asian city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. None. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was so fun and honestly unexpected to be going there, which was cool. I mean, anyone who's familiar with any X-Men lore, it's like Madripoor is a very popular place in comic book world. So it was really cool to be to, to go there and kind of like see, like, I wonder what they'll, you know, not that it means anything about X-Men in here, but it's just, it's a fun little egg. You know? Yeah, to acknowledge the greater sort of Marvel universe. Yeah, and we got a, we got a, a zoom in on a, the, that uh, bar sign for the Princess Bar, which is very famously like Wolverine's bar in, the, in his oh. very famous Claremont run, which is the only Wolverine run I really like, actually. But <laughs> Things I did not know. It felt like it was an ode to comic readers, kind of. Yeah, I like how casually it, it just came up, you know? It was like, oh, we're well, just going like to be in this Well, it felt like it belonged in the story. You know, it wasn't just them throwing it to us, but it was, it was just nice to feel like the comic books exist in this real universe, too. Yeah, yeah it's it was, not but... like in your face either, which I think is a nice little touch. Yeah, it's just a very subtle. Overall, I would say, I mean, I'm loving the show, but I would say I think this was probably the clunkiest episode of the three for me. I did think it was moving a little fast. I was into it full in, but I, I some of the stuff that was happening, I could have seen taking place with more time to kind of have it all sink in over like two episodes. But I know we don't have that kind of time, so I was fine <laughs> with it. But it did feel a little off. Uh, the pacing of it was just different than the first two, which doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. Yeah. So I'm fully enjoying the show. I, I want to preface this by saying that. But I actually find it hard to concentrate on. Like, I mm. actually rewind more parts in this show than I usually do when I'm watching a television show. So for some reason, I'll, like, see them talking and then I'll be like, oh, I want to know what they're saying. And I hadn't been paying attention. <laughs> you know? And it's, like, a very bizarre because I I'm not really sure why it happens because I really do feel like I enjoy it <laughs> but somehow it's not holding my attention at the same time it's kind of and maybe it's the pacing thing you just talked about maybe the pacing for me is just off enough that it I, I drop off somehow but when I tune in you know when I'm actually paying attention I'm enjoying what I I see. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this one did feel, I mean, as much as I loved it, it did feel kind of more like a, an action thriller to me than the first two did. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first two each had their decent size action uh, sequences, like one specifically in each that was pretty decent. And the rest was very character focused. And this was very kind of like, bam, 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 onto the next. And I, I was there for the ride, but it just felt different to me. I loved seeing Sharon back, although it's funny. I had a little bit of a, oh, okay. So like how casually and, and easily we're just going to meet Sharon here randomly. But yeah. then I also like that her first line was like acknowledging that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Saying something along the lines of just like, well, isn't this just too perfect? And I was like, yeah, it is a little too perfect, but whatever. I'm just going to go with it. But and, well, uh, I like the I'm idea into it. that she might kind of own the city. So she actually went there on purpose. And that yeah. she's hiding it from the other. She's hiding it know, from them. She's, she's downplaying she her. her. 
Because what do we think? It's like, I, I, I went down this rabbit hole in my mind of, is she indebted to the power broker? Is she running stuff like as a power broker's like right hand or left hand woman? Or like, is she the power broker? Or what's going on? Ooh, you know? I'm, hoping, I'm hoping she's the power broker. Like, that's what I was hoping for in my head. I, I mean, know. that would be delightful, but I think that's a that's a stretch for... It could be. I would be so happy if that was the case. I feel like the what, maybe what they're going to end up doing is like she's a secret embed agent, right? And she's right. to spy on the uh-huh. power broker and infiltrate and has to keep up her I secret mean, identity. Made, yeah, I get it. Because, I mean, part of me was like, as much as I love a villain, it's like interesting that you would turn Sharon Carter into one, you know? Yeah, I'm Whoa. hoping it's somewhere in between. Like, I don't necessarily, I think it'd be cool if they explained it away. It could be a cool thing that she's a power broker. But I, I like the idea of her actually having been on the run and actually can't just waltz back into the United States because she is a criminal on U.S. land now. Mm-hmm. And she went and decided, well, I'm just going to kind of like Carly says, you know, after coming back from the blip, she says like, you know, she felt that Madripoor was a place that she could get the help that she needed to be able to build a life again. And I kind of like the idea of Sharon going there and just trying to build up from the ground up and just keep herself afloat while doing the things that are important to her somehow. And maybe she is there kind of monitoring and bringing down certain crime and this and that but i could see her being indebted to someone who became the power broker or something where she like has she has a certain status there but it's not just you know for free see i went a different direction with that based on what you're saying i'm thinking i was like oh i could see there being she is going sort of a vigilante route where she's like yes i'm gonna embed myself and actually use this as a way to take them down or because she is, I don't know what the right word is, excommunicated, banned, uh, blacklisted from the United States, I could see them being like, if you want to ever return, here's how you're going to earn it back. You're going to embed with them and you're going to take it down. And we're going to keep up this ruse that you are sure. persona non grata in the US in order to help build your backstory and yeah. add validity to your presence there. I, I could see that. I'm okay with either of them. I, I'm going to hope for where my mind went only based on the fact that I like the idea of after her being probably pretty devastated by the Hydra bomb that was dropped with S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff in Winter Soldier and kind of struggling with what's right and what's wrong because she was she thought she knew what was right. Kind of like the idea of her kind of being like, F the organizations and just kind of like, yeah. I'm out here doing, and you know, she's not going to do that for America. It was like, F off, I don't need to live here. Well, I yeah. think it would, it would certainly play into the greater theme of the show that they sort of sidelined for this episode. Like they addressed it a little bit, but the betrayal of these people by the government that they trust. Sam not getting to be captain. Actually, they, they did address it head on, right? In this episode that's i am yeah. totally with you jackie in that there are moments that just fly by that i'm like what just <laughs> happened except for i don't bother to go back <laughs> i've been like i i i'll suddenly be like i don't know what's happening <laughs> the only things i remember from this episode are mostly baron zemo related which i that was a delight for me i didn't oh. think i was gonna enjoy that oh as i much loved as I did it so Fantastic. much and i didn't expect to but i i was so in yeah with like his butler dude and like this weird like of course i'm a baron like i'm rich yeah. <laughs> like, i loved that because it, you know he wasn't going by baron zemo before he was just zemo and i loved that they're going back and kind of saying okay let's actually give this guy a backstory beyond just being a, a sad father slash ex-husband or husband you know who yeah. lost his family it's yeah. like, okay, no, he is that person, but he is also very rich and powerful and has all these things. And I like that even the moment of him putting on that purple mask with the bounty hunters that they were being attacked by and stuff. To me, it was very like, he is a well-known criminal. Madripoor mm-hmm. knows all about him. He has a history that was before Civil War of being a well-known guy. And that mask kind of, to me, symbolized like that, oh shit, it's Baron Zemo. 
type of yeah. thing. And I, I loved it. I was here for it. Like they look up and they see the purple mask and it was like over for them. And I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. It was so much fun. I'm really enjoying the whole backstory that we get. There's no true villain, right? They mm-hmm. all have these amazingly nuanced stories, right? And maybe maybe they're going about it the wrong way, maybe not. But it's interesting to me that there's no full villain yet. Yeah, I, I love this like very nuanced story of, yeah, I know we're supposed to be on their side, but they are kind of doing a lot of kind of wild things. And then you can almost feel for Carly and her mom dying and wanting and all she's doing is stealing vaccines, you know, right. to give to different people. And that's kind of not hard to root for. Right. Right. But then murdering people. and it's Exactly. Like, but then right. so it's like an end justify the means mm-hmm. scenario, you know, you know. Like, and so it's just kind of like I am enjoying kind of the nuanced storytelling that we're getting um, from those stories. And to that point, something that I really that stood out to me a lot in this was we have a scene with after everything on Madripoor and they're on the jet and talking about race and some different things too but then Zemo goes into mentioning you know I really want to meet this Carly Mm -hmm. he wants to meet her and then we fast forward to the next scene and it's Carly blowing up the building at the GRC with all these people in there getting killed and her kind of making that comment of like this is the only argument that people will listen to which is Mm -hmm. also a very extremist current type extremist thing but kind of like a current type thing that we've dealt with uh this last year in the u.s and all over the world too but Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and then also then you cut back to zemo and he's talking about sokovia having been cannibalized by all its neighbors and erased off the map and so it felt to me very much kind of zemo has plans here and he could have run away he could have all these things after madripoor during but he's invested in the fight and i don't think it's necessarily just to do the good thing obviously as we don't don't, anyone thinks that but I'm more than ever kind of on this train now of thinking that they really are kind of setting up the Thunderbolts here. And Zemo kind of wanting, I can see him wanting to meet Carly as kind of, this girl is actually after my brand of uh, justice, like yeah. what I do. Timeline clarifying question, because I have not paid a lot of attention to Zemo's previous appearances, etc. How old is he? I don't actually know how old he would be in the movies. I don't know. But we, you know, we saw him first time in Civil War, which okay. was only some years prior. Oh, right. Okay. He's, for some reason in my mind, I, maybe I'm conflating him with Red Skull. I was like, has he been alive no. as long as Steve has? He's not a super soul. He's yeah. doesn't like, he, okay, he right. He was the one who was in charge of using Bucky to, so he could be younger. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of, kind of like, and that's what I kind of like the parallels here is kind of like Carly and what she's doing with the Flag Smashers and stuff. It's kind of a situation where he, I feel like, was obviously a villain, this and that, doing his stuff, it seems, beforehand. But then when the tragedy happened and his family got killed because of the events of the Avengers and Ultron, it feels kind of like he sought out a way to get back at them by means of Hydra. Like by using Hydra in that way, you know, because Hydra was so well well intertwined in the, <laughs> the workings of it all. But he's he's just a colorful character in the way where it's my favorite kind of thing where it's like, are you good or are you bad? And it's like, obviously, if you're doing bad things, you're probably bad, but you're kind of on that line. And, and I love that kind of uh, non-committal because it makes you just care about them more in my mind instead of someone who's just like deliciously evil for no reason (laughs) yeah because something else that's kind of fun is Bucky's a thunderbolt at some point and I could totally see he's like the one leading the charge here to work with Zemo and like obviously Sam was anti doing that and I could totally see them establishing something and being that the thunderbolts is kind of historically a team of reformed villains I mean what is Bucky if not a reformed villain even if it wasn't his fault he was a villain and I kind of like that. And then I know Yelena from Black Widow, I know she becomes one at some point. So I kind of thought maybe that's where Florence Pugh will fit into the universe mm-hmm. after Black Widow. And so I think it could be cool. kind of cool. Maybe TV, but Disney Plus series instead of a movie, but I think it'd be cool. 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say one little stupid thing that everyone will roll their eyes at, I'm sure. But as you know, I'm on this like path and tirade ever since they announced Fantastic Four to just wonder when Doctor Doom's going to come into things. I do not think he's going to come into the things here in the show. But Okay, that's a... That's a... No, but, yeah, I don't think that. <laughs> but the comment I mentioned before about Zemo kind of talking about Sokovia being cannibalized by its like neighboring countries and stuff. Sokovia and Latveria are both very much located in the same part of Central Europe in the comics. And I was yeah. like... How cool if they lay seeds that eventually, because like I could totally see with the wreckage of Sokovia with all these like Ultron bots and all that stuff, Latveria, whatever. And if it's one of those neighboring countries and if Dr. Doom like uses the corpses of these like Ultron bots to make his Doom bots, which are like such a thing. You can't have Doom really without his Doom bots. Like I just don't think it. And I would love if that was like a little seed that that was like got picked up on later or something like that. I would be so here for it. Yeah, I I, I'm, I hate any villain that we have to fight against tons of robots with. I just find there's zero stakes, Yeah, which was one of my big problems with Ultron and all this stuff. But he uses them more strategically than that. It's not like, oh, fight all my Doombots as much as it's like he employs them to do things and gather intel and do stuff. But when you're fighting Doom, he'll they'll be there to fight, but you're fighting him and his like, yes. and stuff. Yeah, I do want to touch on another series that's coming because it, it's clear that they are investing a lot. Of, I mean, we always knew that they were investing a lot into the Disney Plus series of Marvel stuff. I don't think we realized how much. And now seeing half of Falcon Winter Soldier, having seen all of WandaVision, and then we just got the trailer for Loki. I, I'm like, oh, we are possibly really pivoting away from having the films be the flagship carriers of storylines in the Marvel universe. And although I just, I don't know, what did you two think of the trailer? I have thoughts, but. <laughs> I thought it was super fun. I mean, I'll say of the shows that we know are coming, this Loki show has been one that I'm less excited about than the others, only because I think Tom Hiddleston is, is so good in the role. And I think that we really have gotten to flesh Loki out a lot as a villain, which I think has been really great for the films, but I kind of got to a place where I'm over it. And so I kind of was like, do I need something centering around Loki right now? I don't really think so, but I thought the show looked really fun. Yeah, I think it looks super fun. I am pro watching it. I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about Tom Hiddleston in the last several years. So it's kind of like something I would have been so excited about the show just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And now it feels a little bit tempered. And so I'm hoping that watching it, I'll feel differently, I guess. Mm. I think the trailers look interesting. I think time travel and time heist is fun and weird and messy, but eh, I'm interested to see what they do. See, I was not expecting that answer from you, Jackie. I thought you were going to get as angry as I am at the idea of time warping with it. Because we've, we've, you know, we've been talking about in WandaVision, we have messed up these timelines. Actually, even in you know Falcon Winter Soldier with the stuff with Steve, like Rogers, we have messed up the timelines so badly. And so I, I did like that we got to see their sort of visual representation of the fragmentation of time is linear, but here are all these branches and it's sort of like wiggly. And you have proven to us you can't do time travel well. Why are you setting this whole thing up to be a time travel disaster? Also, quick tangent before I continue on that, wig department at Marvel. What is happening? What is, why? Who hurt you? Like, why? Have any, why? Why? I know it's like a, an intentional look. And it's sort of the same thing they did to Bucky early where it's like that greasy, I've been in prison hair. But come on, like there's got to be shampoo <laughs> in their universe. Please wash your hair. Time travel. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, when Loki does weird time travel things, because he's magic and things, it doesn't bother me the same way it does with other things. I mean, we'll see. 
I guess. But to me, I think that this looks like either they're going to explain some things and try to right some wrongs or they're just going to leave it totally out of, you know, this current sort of timeline. And at that point, Mm -hmm. you can screw that up as much as you want to, to me. I kind of see it as because of the way we saw the Ancient One explain how the time works and it creates a new branch and this and that and all that, you know, if you do something differently or whatever. Mm-hmm. I kind of see it as that that being their way to kind of keep things really clean almost in a way where they can really write anything off that they want. Like Right, isolated he, to the location. Yeah, he show. went and he goes yeah. to the center. And I almost see it as like when you make a new branch in the time stream, you're making like a new dimension. Or yeah. you're going to a different, right? And so they can just explain it away. And like, you know, they do mention, I liked that the first shot of Loki, like walking into that room in the, in the beginning of the trailer, you see a scroll standing there in the corner too. I thought it was kind of fun. But uh, I like that they, the one, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember the actress. I really like her. But she mentions like, do you, are, are you sure you trust this Loki variant? So obviously they have a Loki, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, I think he trusts himself enough for the both of us or whatever. And then there's also this unnamed lady in there kicking some major butt. and. I was like, is this Lady Loki? Are we, like, is there Loki a woman? So I think we might Mm. even get Kid Loki too, which would be so exciting. It'd be kind of fun. Because those comics were pretty fun. Because the Kid Loki and the Teenage Lokis were really fun. And Lady Loki was pretty great. So I think what they're going to do is actually be able to introduce these wilder, but more fun comic book stories. I don't know why she would be blonde, because the the lady we keep seeing looks blonde, especially when they're sitting Mm. there. But whatever, I guess. If it is her, in fact. But I I think that'd be kind of an interesting way to go. Like, those concepts I'm okay with. Uh, The the Tom Hiddleston, I'm with you, Jackie. Like, if you would come to me, I don't know, like, seven years ago, I would be like, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to the Marvel Universe. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like, okay, all right. But I think my biggest problem with it and why I like Wanda and even Falcon Winter Soldier more is we are advancing stories forward. I don't need to dwell on this past. Black Widow, I will give a pass because it was meant to come out, you know, as a bookend. It did, you know, it's it's not its fault that it got delayed, but I I want to keep moving forward in the the greater sort of storyline universe, not just keep dredging over the same kind of content over and over and over and like replaying you know hulk stuff and and steve rogers stuff and you know i just want to keep moving forward and i feel like the structure of this show is also very i mean it's it seems like it's a lot of fan service potentially as well like we're gonna bring back this here's an opportunity to have loki interact with this like moment that we can show off that we can recreate the scene digitally and all this stuff I, i i just i'm apprehensive and that trailer did not make me feel better also i forgot that owen wilson was gonna be yeah. i was like speaking of fan service did you see i saw on twitter today that clark Craig, like oh no is he gonna be in it no he just tweeted him and was like he's like wait this guy's getting a show i thought he was dead <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was really funny but oh, uh looks like sif is gonna be in it that's gonna which yeah that's interesting oh okay so in, in full disclosure i watched the trailer on my phone and probably not very bright uh, and now I'm reading some of the cast lists. And I'm like, oh, wow, they got Gugu Mbatha Raw. Gugu, yeah, I was like, yeah, because that's she's the one. I was like, I love her. Yeah, and like, her Rich, I, lo- I love Richard E. Grant. I adore mm-hmm. Richard E. Grant. He is fantastic. Yeah. Also, Sasha Lane is in this, which is... They got a good cast. You know, see, and again, with what I'm about to say, I don't know that this warrants an entire show, and I don't know how many episodes it's going to be, but I almost wonder if this show is going to be fun and this and that and might introduce some new characters that might end up coming into our our time stream or whatever okay cool but i almost feel like maybe it'll serve to kind of really 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 narrow down what the time stream is 
in relation to the multiverse and all these different things and kind of really make everyone understand that stuff for this for what's to come so it might end up kind of being a, a thing that really helps us grasp how what's about to happen because dr strange is about to be insane we already know that king the conqueror was is going to be in the next ant-man film which anything to do with king is so complicated so it's like you know with the time stream and all he's it's nuts and then if they go into the young avengers and they do it correctly the Young Avengers is started by Kang the Conqueror going back in time in the time stream to be a kid to try to be a good guy instead. So he starts the Young Avengers and it's like happened. It's, it's, so it's, it's just nuts, right? So I feel like this could serve to really like try to really create the rules for us and hopefully they play within the field they say. It's going to rate some wrongs. It's funny. I'm just exhausted thinking about our watching commitment for the next however many years. Me too. It does get a little overwhelming when you really. I said this when we were early on talking in WandaVision that I was like, as exciting as this all can be, I am afraid of the multiverse because I just think it's going to get so aggressive that it's going to be really hard to follow at times and it's going to get just so much. And I'm like, oh my well, God. We're also at a really interesting juncture right now where we have had very limited break between the streaming shows, but we haven't had any movies. So it's like, okay, I can sort of keep up. You know, there's, I have only one thing to watch at a time. Energy expenditure wise, I have one thing to obsess about. And then I almost quickly move on to the next one because like Wanda ended and we're like, oh, okay, Falcon Winter Soldier. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we are back. And then we've got the release date for Loki. There's going to be very limited time. There's, you know, maybe there's like an extra week, but we've been able to keep up because we don't have anything else going on. What happens when the movies get added back to this? This pace is unsustainable for me in, personally in terms of going forward. Of What do you mean I have to watch all this stuff in order to yeah. have the next thing make sense? Or I'm curious as to what the release schedule for future Marvel Disney Plus shows will well, look like. It'll be, it's nuts because this is obviously a very unprecedented year following the most unprecedented year of our lives. Right. And so it's interesting because when you say it like that, we are halfway through our second show with mm -hmm. a trailer for our third show. Right. But in all reality, we have minimum three shows and three movies that we are supposed to be consuming this year. And there's right. only like eight months left. So it's a, that's more Marvel content than we've ever gotten, <laughs> like as far as MCU goes. Uh, right. So that's nuts. I feel like I'm here I'm for it right now, it. but it will be aggressive. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, talk to me in a couple of months, I guess. <laughs> but that doesn't scare me yet. I think it it's like we're starved. Me. We're starved for, for the content that we've been that we've loved. That it's like, oh, give it to me all. I'm almost more afraid of the like, oh my god, I can never end. Than the coming months, like I'm not worried about like that. But mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, God, in ten years, like I'm still be watching Marvel shows. You know, yeah, that's what scares me. I'm not worried about doing it for now, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking about like, okay, you know, again, vaccines are coming. They're going to expect us to go to the movies. And I, I guess I'm, you know, part of it is we are the obsessive types who pick these things apart. We have literally a podcast about picking these things apart. We invest maybe more into the viewing experience than not to say that people who don't analyze these things this in depth do, but we are people who are afraid of spoilers. So we watch them very early on certain days. You know, we go to the midnight showings, we do all the things. Mm -hmm. So that, that, pace for me is like my concern right like having to keep up with all these things and not having somebody spoil it like i'm looking at yeah. the i guess there are 11 shows including loki but we've got like Still hawkeye we've got we've got what if which i'm like what if to me is really what loki yeah. probably should have been i don't need yeah. loki and what if i would have actually just rather had what if which i could be wrong about but then we've got she hulk moon knight you know miss marvel secret invasion armor wars iron heart i am groot mm -hmm. that's a lot 
No, it is. I, you're right. And honestly, at first I was, you know, well, I was very able to give up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched a good chunk of it, but I was very able to give it up because I just didn't like it. And mm-hmm. But I will say, had it mattered more to the continuity of what was going on in the films, I would have forced myself to finish it mm-hmm. because then I would have that need. So I looked at it at first kind of like, well, could you not watch WandaVision and then meet her and Doctor Strange and probably get enough info there to understand where she's coming from right now? Probably, because we meet a lot of characters who they just kind of give you their backstory real quick. And it's kind of so you can just kind of give us a little abridged how we got here Mm -hmm. if they do it well. But being the person that I am and I know you are, I have to have to see it all because I have to know. I have to be able to have an opinion on it. And and, and it becomes like homework, like you're saying, because we don't want spoilers. So you just watch it right away. I used to actually get really excited when we'd have a Game of Thrones finale, not because I was so excited to see the finale, but I was so excited that it was ending because I was so <laughs> sick of the stress of like, I can't go to work Monday morning and mm-hmm. not have watched this. Right. And that's just the truth. I remember the actual finale, the series finale. I was in China, China, China. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to watch this. Actually, not only was I in China, I was flying back to the United States that day. And I was like, if someone ruins this for me, <laughs> I will be so angry and so I was thankfully you know sitting in the airport lounge before and the timing of it worked out so I was it was so early in the morning for me and I was just like watching it on my phone exactly <laughs> as how HBO intended you know and like the, the sure. biggest game of those. It's just like the Loki trailer they just wanted you to watch it on a tiny phone you know just sitting there like you know intently like looking around like nobody saw anything for me not that anybody <laughs> would have but I like had to VPN in and all this stuff just to watch it because I was like I need to watch it because if I get on this plane for I can't even remember how long the flight is my phone when I get home and land will have comments spoiling this uh-huh. you know even even if I don't go on social media people will have texted me I have mm-hmm. to see this before I get on this plane. So I think I was literally, oh, I was watching part of it in the cab on the way to the airport and then finished watching it after security. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, I mean, let's be honest. That's just on me though. That's on me. You know? No, but let's be honest. You you could have overheard some crap at the airport. You could have been in an Uber ride on the way home from the airport and your Uber driver talked about it. Like there's all yeah. kinds of things. Like it's just like, that's how we are now. Right. And okay, cool. But it does make, yeah, it makes the viewing more appointment and it makes it kind of feel like okay well i have to do this even if you're not in the mood at that time right because you just cannot be spoiled and so we do we are going into that future right now <laughs> it's very stressful I'm and these it. are dropping at midnight so it becomes even more stressful it's not like at least game of thrones aired at what like nine or something yeah or six if you had the if you went on the app they should well, be releasing these at like eight or nine yeah well yeah because poor east coast they don't get it till 3 a.m oof yeah. didn't even think about that and i mean everything we're talking about we're not even factoring in all the star wars content that's coming no, don't say that. We, we care about that, that as well. I'm just Why saying it's, it's a very stressful time. It is. I'm excited. What a time to be alive. You could have talked to us like 20 years ago and been like, oh, all this stuff would be happening. It's like, oh, yeah, right. And then now here we are. And it's like, wow, like we're getting all this content. Some of it really, really, really cool. But it's yeah. really overbearing. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna go on a tangential journey. Stick with me with for Take this, hopefully. Us. I'm going to talk about the Snyder Cut, but not the actual Snyder Cut. I just, so I was listening to, I don't know if either of you listened to How Did This Get Made? Mm-mm. I know about it. Know. Yeah. So they you, normally they pick super absurd stuff, but they actually did an episode on the Snyder Cut. And I was like, oh, I'm very interested to hear because uh, the, the, uh, Paul Shearer is, you know, sort of the person driving a lot of it. He's a super Marvel person. He, like he and Jason Manzoukas and June Diane Raphael is the other co-host of it. And she's not a comic book person. So they had other people. Anyway, one thing they pointed out that I thought was very valid and maybe makes me a little more tired 
in advance for the Marvel stuff is the difference between what we've seen of DC and Marvel for better or worse on screen is Marvel always has Kevin Feige for the most part, you know, especially in the later ones guiding it. So even though individual directors have been able to bring some flexibility and individualistic style to things, like I think Thor Ragnarok is the best example of something that clearly felt Taika Waititi, but fell within the Marvel universe. It's still all tonally within kind of a consistency. Whereas DC is like, hey, Zack Snyder, you know, all the drama stuff aside, like you want to make a dark, gritty Batman, Superman, etc. Go ahead. But also, Kathy Yan, you want to do like a crazy zany Birds of Prey? Have fun. James Gunn, you know, you want to do your Suicide Squad? Like, cool, have at. There is just still some consistency, but there are, or, or like the, oh God, I hate it, but the Todd Phillips Joker. All these things exist within the DC universe, but they aren't being held to the same sort of tonal reigns. And I think Falcon Winter Soldier, WandaVision was definitely an exception because it was zanier as well. WandaVision, I think Thor Ragnarok are the two best examples of like outside the box. But say everything else- Black Panther, it feels different to me. A little bit, but I still think it fits within the universe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think they all do. It's very serious, for, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Mar- Marvel films have been with some humor. Ant-Man maybe a little bit, you know, is more of a comedy, but- I'm worried that it's going to get monotonous very fast. Mm. And because we are seeing it more frequently as opposed to spaced out over, you know, one movie a year, two movies a year. And it's like actually two movies a year plus three shows plus whatever that it might get grading unless they allow for more experimentation. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's hard to know. I was getting sick of the movies and then we got TV shows and I'm happy to have TV shows. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's interesting, an interesting point to bring up because I just, in my mind, I'm like, you can't win because I'm like, I would take the idea of something kind of more monotonous in this way over a bunch of films that never end up having any stakes because they never continue on. Like, you know what I mean with these stories, hardly? Like if we're going to be getting the content, you know? But it's a valid point because it's very true. They're building something that, yeah, it all has to kind of fit somewhat together but then the difference between the successes is i do think that they are allowing the different creatives they're bringing in to have their art their artistic touch on it somewhat like we were talking about and i think that they started out a lot safer in the directors they were choosing but as of late they're starting to kind of branch out more and we're mm-hmm. seeing these films that do have different kinds of feels but yeah they all fit into that same cog but then you watch something like anything Zack snyder's done now in the dc universe proper so not like watchmen it all seemed to be building on something that's now no longer being built upon. So then it's like, what, what, what matters? I don't know what to, I don't know what matters. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, it's and, well, yeah. So I think, I think DC has yet to like openly commit to like, it doesn't matter or, or that each film matters individually, mm-hmm. you know, but not necessarily into this one DC cinematic universe, which does feel a little bit more to me like a comic book in that mm-hmm. you can have such tonally different things and they're all still valid. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was an I interesting. Agree. I, was yeah. like, oh. I agree with that. And I'm like, I, I could see that, but then also like then stop like then they need to stop teasing that these things are all gonna be part of each other. Yes, like yeah, this, absolutely. You know, commit to it mattering on its own and you can have a really great film. There are plenty of great comic book films. Watchmen I do think is one of them personally, but like V for Vendetta, all kinds of these different films that are just self contained things. Yeah. That are successful stories told that don't need to feed into something bigger. And right. if they want to do that, they could totally do it. And I would say their most successful film probably has been Wonder Woman. But part of that too, as as great as it was on its own, it was exciting, at least in my mind, to be thinking about her kind of being who's going to bring us into Justice League a little bit with alongside Batman and Superman. But And then it was just such a letdown. 
you know, <laughs> that it was like, yeah. Oh. See, for me, it was interesting because I don't, yeah, I, I really did not pay a lot of attention to Batman, Superman, Justice League, etc. And so Wonder Woman for me was such a fresh, healthy, you know, yeah. just standalone thing at the time. I was like, I love this. This is the greatest. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I think this leads me to speaking of franchises that totally make no sense and got <laughs> mashed together. <laughs> we watched Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> I think you mean franchises that never get old, always remain ever. fresh. Classic, yes. And classic, need to continue classic, forever. Yes. Monotony, ever, what's ever, that? Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Plot, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Continuity, no idea. Yeah, never heard of her. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't uh, know her. Yeah. This movie was uh, an incredible amount. I, I came out of this thing, I, I thought, okay, this is going to be a movie about a giant gorilla fighting a giant lizard. And it was, but it was so much more. It was like, every, it was just so aggressive. It was everything that they could possibly do. They just did it. And it was so, so much. There was this, it was just, there was, they went to places that I, I didn't dream of, you know. You didn't think the earth was hollow? I, that you I didn't did. dream that there was a possibility that at the core of our earth, there's a whole prehistoric jungle fantasy land. You know, you I, I, they didn't teach you that in your school. I would, I would have loved to have thought of that. However, I did not. I also, you know, never ever thought about how to give Kong CPR. It was never. You no, no, never was, crossed your mind. Never oh. crossed my mind. But we did. We went there, and we did. Yep. I mean, we, important things. we went to the center of the earth and went <laughs> through this entire like full on moment of just total just space odyssey down there. We get there <laughs> and then and then Kong climbs out of it and crawls right up to Hong Kong and then fights Godzilla. Although they kind of have a Batman Superman moment where they Both just their had mothers to are named Martha. <laughs> yeah. Both are. And they had to scream at each other's faces for a good few seconds and that ended up resolving. But that's what resolved it, you know? So it was like, oh, so you just needed to scream at each other's faces for a few seconds. So Jackie, it's actually your least favorite type of plot where it could all be solved with one conversation. And this conversation was screaming. Yeah, a single conversation, you know? And I mean, it basically is man is the problem, right? Because the robo Godzilla is the problem. Man's is the problem, yes. Yeah, and it's just sort of, wow, that was original. You know, well, the comical thing was, was that deep. man was, deep. was like the problem, but I also agreed with man. I was like, well, he can just come back and F your shit up anytime he wants. It's very scary having these Titans around. Well, it's it's like, really interesting. <laughs> excuse you. Excuse you. Alphas. They're alphas. alphas. I'm sorry. sorry. The alphas. <laughs> What's interesting to me is we're supposed to be sold on this idea that they have empathy for us, right? That they're sort of yeah. our protectors in some way, but yet... They're more than willing to just crash into each other and stomp around a very dense city. The worst day Hong Kong has ever seen. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you two, because I'll start with, before we got into, uh, and I'm saying plot in generous quotation marks, <laughs> who were you rooting for at the start, Godzilla or Kong, and why? Kong. I did not have an opinion. Okay. I was rooting for Kong because I know, even as much as I hated Skull Island, the original, well, the original Kong that we met in this new universe being Peter Jackson's whatever. Like, he made me cry a few times, even though I don't like the movie at all. And I know he, like, cares about certain people. So canonically, that does not count towards these. Oh, okay. I thought I it don't did. Think. But either either way, I could Kong, be Kong is always kind of framed as someone who, like, you know... He's more humanoid. Original, more humanoid in Godzilla. Yeah, like it's an ape. Godzilla, right. there's, no, there's no control. I can honestly say I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even remotely right. like I need to pick a side. Okay. 
did both of you watch it on HBO Max or did did either of you go to a theater for it? Theater. Theater. Oh, okay. Was it quasi enjoyable in the theater? I enjoyed it a thousand times more than I would have possibly enjoyed it at home. That's for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to pay attention to it at home. I will, I will freely admit I did fall asleep um, at one point. <laughs> That's pretty impressive given how loud this movie seemed like it would have been in a theater. Oh, there was vibrating seats. It was nuts. It was vibrating, yeah. Um, and I fell asleep. So I, I will freely admit to that. Okay. Because I, when I was watching it, I, you know, there, there are some very beautiful scenes. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, somebody in the visual development storyboarding process drew this gorgeous painting. And they're like, That's great. Let's go from this scene to the next scene. Uh, we don't have a plot for it. Let's just use some exposition from the characters. <laughs> like mm-hmm. someone will narrate how we get to, you know, so the lighting was very nice. And I was like, oh, that's a really great, like still for, oh, mm. this is, this is not a story. How many of the previous films had you seen going into this? If any, this is probably more of a Jackie question. I watched the Kings and Monsters one. Is that what it was called? Or Gods and Monsters? Yes. We watched that in prep actually for this. Right. Separately. Yeah. That's the King of the Monsters. I saw the Peter Jackson one. I don't, I didn't watch the Tom Hiddleston one. Okay. Kong Skull Island. Yep. So I don't know. Is there any more? There's tech. So there's Godzilla, the sort of reboot. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was the sequel. And then, oh, Godzilla had um, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen. And Elizabeth Olsen, yeah. Playing a couple. They were, lo- they were lovers in almost the same year that they were siblings. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't watch that, no. Okay. I only asked because at least the other movies, they don't make sense, but they make sense. And they don't ask you to really know anything going into it. This one, to me at least, having seen the, the you know, immediate franchises leading into this, made no fucking sense. Because they were like, something, something, monarch, or this or that. And I was like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, yeah they're like, you, this, this facility and this, that. And I was like, I don't the fuck oh. are you talking about i had oh, watched was, that one right before so. yeah it, and it was interesting because i remembered monarch because of the one right before it but i just at the end of that one godzilla has come the alpha or has made his claim king as the, the alpha monsters. king yeah. of the monsters and all of these monsters one of them i really did not like because it was like a spider thing were like all bowing around him and stuff and i was like where were they why weren't they helping him in this whole like, this whole situation like when he has to fight all this stuff it's like so i didn't that was weird to me mm-hmm. i want closure for the moth so like did the moth? Did the moth die I mean, in the last? We were, we were yeah. talking about this, and we well, I liked her. If the moth had died or not, and then the moth wasn't in this, so it was a little disappointing because then I saw the name on the screen one time, but that's it. But I don't remember I her being in it. Don't remember. She wasn't in this. So I don't she, remember if we got closure on. Mothra. She was fighting that big pteranodon demon volcano monster or whatever in the other one, and then I'm not gonna lie, I didn't rewatch King of the Monsters. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that. <laughs> But I know, <laughs> but she was like fighting him, and then he really was like besting her. Uh-huh. But then, when Godzilla was in trouble, she decided to go, and like her wings turned blue, and it looked like they started dissolving or something, almost like she was giving her power force to Godzilla. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't sure if that meant she was like TKO or if she was just like let's team up. But then we never see her again, and I and she's the only one of these characters I've cared about. I feel like, oh, maybe, I feel like they were setting up some sort of like rebirth thing where she like just, you know, disappears into the ether and then one particle eventually becomes a giant Mothra again. I I wanted her. I mean, this movie had all the things, but it did not have her. No, it had too many things. It had too Way many things. too many things. But one yeah. few, one, one too little. One to, you mean a plot? <laughs> well, yeah, I did not have a plot. I really wanted a plot. Yeah, I did not know what was happening. I also 
did not pay as close attention to this as I could have because I did I watched it on HBO Max and I I did try and you know be like okay like this is clearly a movie meant to be seen in theater so I was like all right we'll pull the curtains we'll you know try and act like it's put my phone away and I somehow missed the line about like the hollow earth stuff and I was like what energy source I was like what is motivating any of this and I finally like about 40 minutes in was like I have to go back and figure out what the hell they're talking about. And then finally watch that one scene with like Damien Beecher and Alexander Skarsgård again. I was like, that's what this is about. <laughs> You're just going to ex- like exposition this away with all this. It was, oh. I was going to say like, if did you actually, I mean, did you find out more? Because I, I, did. I, I, I know feel more. myself and pretty confused on why that's important. I found out more. It didn't make any sense, yeah. but my, uh, vague understanding was that there's a power source at the center of the hollow earth <laughs> oh right you you remember when kong charged his axe stick axe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i missed all of that because it turns out that kong would not have beat godzilla but they weren't man enough to do that in this well movie. that's the annoying thing is godzilla mm-hmm. actually won twice both their yeah. fights in the movies and then kong still won the movie and i was like this did, this did kong win the movie or was it a draw I mean, Kong's I think they. I think now they did. Surviving Kong won the movie. The thing yeah, is, like, right. I feel like they did a draw, which I thought was cowardly. Well, they did a draw, but I mean, Kong won the movie. As like Kong got the better. I mean, he gets to now. Like, he got the yeah. He got the better ending. Be happy, sure. Yeah. He learned he's like a king down there, and he's like, yeah. this is great. And it and he got the final shot. So to me, he won the movie. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. See, I was actually Team Godzilla going into this. Just because I liked the Godzilla movies better, they made, you know, they, again, they make well, no sense, but I just want Godzilla to rip something's jaw open and throw up fire into it, mm-hmm. which happened on the first Godzilla film. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> I love this. Well, and and honestly, if I'm being honest, like I've seen the original films and a couple of different sure. sequels and stuff, but in this reboot world, the Godzilla with Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Taylor Olsen and all that stuff, that's my favorite one of all of these because Godzilla was barely in it because it was more story driven. <laughs> And ever, I know people were mad about that, and I totally understand why. But that's just how I know these movies are not for me. I'm not the audience. Yeah, oh. I'm, really, I'm not the person that they made this for. A hundred. There's, there's no one they made this for. Less. I didn't even watch any of the other ones. <laughs> I have to tell you the story of when I went to see the that the 2014 or whatever Godzilla in theaters. I was on a terrible date. At least I thought it was a date. Got friend zoned, which is fine. Friend zoning is fair. You know, if you're not into it, you're not into it. But they could have said that like three dates earlier into our what I thought was dating and apparently to them was hanging out. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we went to see it in Oakland at the Grand Lake Theater and there's a scene in it that takes place in Oakland and like it's part of it takes place in San Francisco and then there's like a scene in Oakland. And so when they cut to the footage of Oakland but, and you know, the whole theater just erupts in excitement because, you know, it's our hometown, it's on screen, hooray. So I, that experience for me was super beneficial in, uh, into feeding into my positive feelings towards these franchises. I was like, this is so much fun. This is silly, date aside. <laughs> but you know, I like, I'm really enjoying the crowd and the vibe or whatever. And then when I saw King of the Monsters, pretty sure I was drunk at the theater and was seeing it with friends who were also like equally excited for the silliness. And we just, we knew it was going to be ridiculous. And so watching this at home in the dark on HBO Max for me was the antithesis of any of the positive experiences that you could associate with these films. In addition to the absolute absurdity that was this movie, everything in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite thing was like, we saw Godzilla come out of the water. He swam all the way over to Florida, which yeah, and goes and destroys this like, 
building, the one. As you should to Florida, yes. Totally. <laughs> and it destroys the one, only kills seven people, a few injured, whatever, but like in the, in the destruction of this whole building and whatever. And then the only people smart enough to think there was a motive behind that single act <laughs> or teenage girl. the teenage girl and the podcaster. And I was like, this is, this is one of those movies that relies, any semblance of plot relies on everyone in it being stupid. And that's, oh, everyone, but like certain characters. But well, and then they made like terrible that. choices the rest of the time. They were stupid too, but it just was like every semblance of plot was like you, the people okay. must be dumb in order to meet, to, to push this story forward. In this film's, bizarro defense on that topic if this year if 2020 and tw part of the, you know so far 2021 have not taught us anything it's that the general public is stupid and does stupid things and you know under under duress and disaster will do things like go to spring break in florida you know i imagine if gods they were like oh godzilla alert attack in florida right now people would still be on the beaches doing spring break so oh Sure, but I just mean you know, the this movie's not that, that like, wrong in terms of. Oh, well, yeah, sure, but then the people that are like that have figured out the technology to travel to the center of the earth, <laughs> the and hollow they, earth, and they just knew how to do it too. It yeah, wasn't and like all right. this, which which I get that the corporation was making the big robot Godzilla and was like, you know, they're smart and whatever, and they knew that the attack was provoked, but they don't want the public to know that and blah blah whatever. But it's still just like everyone else; these people that like we're supposed to believe are like the heroes and heroines of this film. And we're just kind of, I'm just like, you're just so dumb. And then the, the, the revelation that Kong understood sign language, I was like, he is a huge gorilla. If that is what we know. That, that gorillas is what we've done to several taught. gorillas. <laughs> and then chimpanzees and all this. Like, we know that they we can know do that they, okay. sign language. I have lots of questions about scale and scope and size because I was trying to track okay, well, I could the size of Godzilla out. versus Kong through this whole movie and I just gave up and I think that is part of the like if you want to enjoy this movie you can't go into it asking these questions well also um, they didn't know that the daughter taught him sign language so we're letting the daughter hang out with him unattended oh yes so I also thought it was a daughter, not a daughter. She's, which was, I was like, oh, are they Adopted. setting up like a lack of blockers so that Skarsgård and What's-Her-Face can hook up and it, you know, in a, whatever. Because God forbid you should hook up with a single mother. Anyway, how does Kong see somebody that small and gestures that small? That to me was the most absurd part of it. The only thing I liked, I, I really liked that little girl. I was like, this movie's not her fault. Also, apparently she's actually a deaf actress. So I was like, oh, that's, a, that's okay. And she was a good actress. She did really well. Yeah. yeah. She really did sell her parts. She was also the only one who didn't have to do exposition and therefore could actually act. And I was like, good for you. You yeah. carried this. I really liked her involvement, but I hated that the first time we saw her had to be this like quick zoom into her ear so that we knew she was deaf. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we would figure that out. You just let us watch no. the movie. I, and like, I also hated sucks. that she had to wear like native garb the whole time. Like, and by that you mean a singular headband? Yeah, it's just like, okay. It's her yeah. thing. Because you two watched King of the Monsters more recently than I did. Does Millie Bobby Brown have like, not a psychic connection per se, but like a, she has a connection with Godzilla at some point, right? Yeah, or Mothra. Yeah, so well, yeah, the moth, and like yeah, right, that just completely goes away in this because I was like, oh, are we setting up that Kong has this connection to this little girl? Godzilla has the connection to Millie Bobby Brown. It's going to be like these two girls, and yeah, girls it. actually, I think is the right phrase, who like help diffuse the tension, which in a roundabout way, mm -hmm. sort of what happened. But I thought it was going to be more direct, like both of you stop. Yeah. <laughs> the thing Can't is, we all just be friends. Vera Farmiga thankfully was able to die in the last film, so she didn't have to do this. <laughs> 
But she was Millie Bobby Brown's mom, and she, like, sacrificed herself. But the thing is, I, I fully disclose that, like, because I was watching King of Monsters on HBO Max and everything, I was finding anything else to look at that I possibly could. So I was paying attention, but then I was getting kind of lost and didn't want to rewind anything, too. But they had a technology Same. that they were using to control the monster, which is, like, how Mothra or whatever was Well, they were used. using, like, a... Wasn't it like a beacon? It was like a like beacon that could speak the language or something. Yeah, like they could then, communicate oh, yeah. and like whatever. And then like Millie could do it or something. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, tell him to do this. Tell him to do whatever. And it was right. like, mm-hmm. okay. But then that just does not get mentioned as far as I can tell here. And then Kyle Chandler has this little cameo here, which, you know, good for him not having to be in the whole movie too. But he like <laughs> is just not listening to the fact that his daughter thinks that there could be a motive behind this attack and it's like you just lived through that last movie and you know all these things and it's just like and you're just walking around in your military tent all stressed out and well, i just obviously monsters like people change <laughs> that you know it's too true too true uh i mean i was the one who was excited for this film going into it and the fact that I cannot be like, yeah, watch it. It's ridiculous. It's garbage. I don't know. Maybe like how, discussing it. In ret- the further away I am from the actual having seen it, the less like upset I am by it. And the more just I'm embracing the silly. And maybe it's just because, I don't know, maybe if I'd seen it in theaters, I, I would have been on board from the start with the silliness. But I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun with it. I'm not going to say it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I laughed a lot. And, and I will also say there were a few shots that I was like, oh, uh, who approved this? But Overall, I did think for the most part, a movie that's so CGI heavy and not using mocap like they did with King Kong, you know, obviously you still animate over that. But I thought that for the most part, they looked pretty decent. Yeah, they look you know, fine. Like, except like they were, their scale constantly changed. Well, that, yeah. But, but I mean, in this world where like we're watching these like Marvel TV shows and actually seeing like, I mean, episodes of like WandaVision, it was like, oh my God, I could have done that in Photoshop. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it felt this looked pretty good. So I was like, okay, well, the, the money they put behind it, 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 to me, it accomplished what it hoped to probably was just to be this outrageous, crazy action movie of these two big monsters fighting. And I think if anyone like just, just needs that, they might enjoy it, especially in a Yeah, theater. yeah. Actually, I would even say if you don't feel like risking it and going to a theater, at least it's available on HBO Max and you don't totally. have to pay extra for it. Yeah. Right? That's, that's me would be. Yeah. But I, but I give it the kudos that as like, I'm such a theater person. And even though I'm not super, super into big action spectacles, you know, it's kind of something that I've said about Christopher Nolan in the past, where obviously I'm not comparing the filmmaking because I know he's a much better filmmaker than the people making these films. Debatable. Well, I mean, it has, has been at times. I don't know. He's not, uh, trust me, I'm not a Nolan fan by any stretch, but I just mean, I don't want to get no, but I agree. He's by people who, who are like, you know, the theater. like he's a, he's yeah. a taste, right? But it's yeah. a thing where similar to that kind of thing in different ways, I have I've always appreciated that Nolan makes films that should be watched in the theater because every time I'm watching one in the theater, there are sequences that are like, this is made for a movie theater. And as a movie theater person, I respect that and like that. And I do think this did that because I, it, the seats were vibrating. We, I saw it in Dolby, <laughs> Dolby, Dolby, which is like my favorite to do. It's like, I prefer that over IMAX. You get a recliner. It's like mm-hmm. the sound is nuts. It's crazy. In the and, Atmos. Yeah, and this was like, you know, I mean, it was very immersive in that way. And I was like, you know, if there were moments save, save I the like, theaters. I was, I was like, ooh, this is this is where we cheer, you know. <laughs> yeah. So wait, so did other people, obviously limited capacity, did other people seem to be having a good time at it? Or it was, was that their quiet. sense of? It was mm-hmm. pretty quiet. No one was cheering. But you could tell when we were supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Honestly, I'm I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting until 
it might Black Widow might be the first, but I don't know. But I'm just waiting until seeing something that there is a lot of hype around that normally might have some cheering, which maybe this would. Mm-hmm. It's just I wouldn't have been cheering in this, but like something that like the Marvel films, Star Wars films, there's those moments, you know. I'm curious what it's going to be like because I've been to a few movies since they've reopened and people are really quiet. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, so really, like I think people missed quiet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's very valid. That's probably very valid. Um, well, it's it's interesting. As I said, when I saw King of the Monsters, there were people cheering. I was probably one of them at certain points. I definitely cheering when I saw the first Godzilla film. Skull Island, not so much. Uh-huh. But because that's what you're, you know, I actually this this is what I said in my review review. I was like, if you want to watch a movie about monsters ripping each other apart and stuff, like watch Pacific Rim. Yeah. Pacific Rim to me is an excellent that even even on a small screen, it's just a, such a better just rock'em sock'em throwing, you know, throwing down giant titans of things going after each other. Not Pacific Rim Uprising, though. I'm sorry to John Boyega, who was in it. No, no. Yeah. But yeah, I could just imagine if this had been during regular times, this would have been a popcorn eater and I would yeah. be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And moved on. As opposed yeah. to now where I'm like, oh, God. They even tried to I, get, I still would have made fun of it. They even tried to get a little Pacific Rim in there with the, the one token Japanese character who was like kind oh, of, God. it was his mind instead of like doing the movements and stuff, but they kind of were going yeah. that similar it's, vibe. So I thought Pacific yeah. Rim and I was like, oh, that's a better movie. Yeah, it is. It's a much better movie. <laughs> that was a better that's time. That's my recommendation. Was yeah, to watch that instead. <laughs> yes, but would you would you recommend this to folks? Only if they were excited to watch it. And like they, yeah. they saw the only, trailer. Only, like, only if you are the type of person who loves mindless action. If you like mindless action, this is for you. You'll have a great time. Yeah, you, you know who if you, you are. If you desire plot, it may Don't not be it. for you. This is it. This is it. People who believe in science, this is the film for you. Yes. Yeah. No, but I thought that. I just, just to close it out there, I was like, I, I sit there and as much as I say, oh, these are not for me. One of my favorite movies of all time and one that like really inspired me to go down this career path I keep trying to go down was Jurassic Park. Obviously, it's a different kind of film, but it's just it's science fiction with these big monsters, you know, whatever. And it's done so well in a way where I'm like, nothing about that movie is stupid to me. There are people making dumb decisions, but I just am always astonished that we can't make anything that good ever again when it involves big monsters. Dare you compare this to Jurassic Park? No, don't even breathe just, them in the. I, I know, like, genre. don't like, even breathe them in the same sentence. I trust it hurt to say, but I yeah. thought about it because I was like, why can't we not do this again? This is a question I ask myself constantly. <laughs> is like, why Jurassic Park? Obviously, some of its practical effects, but how many years old is it at this point? Like thirty, I mean, almost thirty. You know, it's me thirty in two years. Yeah, like how 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 yeah. how. No, I know. That's what I mean. It's just like, well, obviously the effects and stuff, just it's unparalleled. But it's just even when you look at the Jurassic Park sequels, the Jurassic World movies, all these things, we, I just don't think have ever been able to create anything in this type of genre that has been anywhere near as successful as a film as that. I, I agree. I firmly agree. And will we ever? Maybe we should and stop. The thing is, just like, I don't even consider that mindless action, though, because it's a good... No, no, I just mean this kind of science fiction, big, big yeah. monsters coming and terrorizing people. You well, know. I don't know yeah. if it's fair to put them in the same category, though, because those, yes, they're big monsters, but they're also big monsters that existed at some point in time, yeah. as opposed to the likelihood of there actually being a Kong out there or yeah. a Godzilla. It's true, but I guess they, they take a lot of fictional liberties with some of the dinosaurs that were not the way they were and stuff. So I always I look at it as very, like, this is very fictional, but I, I agree that it's rooted more in reality. Fictional liberties, or were they going off the science base at the time? I, would I don't rem- I don't think they discovered that like raptors had feathers until much later than that movie came oh, out. Well, not even necessarily that, but I mean raptors are tiny in comparison. They they chose the name raptor because they didn't want to use the name Deinonychus, which is really what they are. But we knew that back then too because I had a book about it. But 
that's fine. But then also like the Dilophosaurus, like they don't have frills and spit poison. Like they, they were doing things that were like, okay, like, you know, that. which is totally fine. I just mean there's certain liberties taken, but then, you know, well, they're yeah. but it's rooted. Well, they're dinosaurs. They're not. Exactly. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, okay, yeah. We, could, we could talk about Jurassic Park. Until, no, but that's why you can excuse it away because, you know, whatever. Yeah. They use frog DNA and amphibian oh, DNA. a great film. It's just the best. And so I, I, it hurts to compare it, but it just is one of these things where I'm like, why can't we do this again ever? We can't. That's a good question. I think, but I, I do think a lot of it actually does come down to story and that there's a good story to Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And it guides everything. Well, it, was, it was based on a book too, you know? Yeah. But it's better. Yeah, know. it's, it's well, the league's better. It's not, not even the same planet as this film. Okay, well, thank you both for uh, slogging through that one. We will reconvene next week. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you once again to Jackie and Matt. And now a couple of follow-up points. Kong Skull Island is a reboot of the King Kong franchise, not a sequel to Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong. Though of note, actually, the director of Godzilla vs. Kong, who's named Adam Wingard, was actually in discussion with Peter Jackson back in about 2013 about directing a sequel to Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong. However, turns out rights ownership entered into it and sort of waylaid that, and the rights to King Kong were originally at Universal, and then they went to WB, which is how WB, who had the rights to Godzilla, were able to do this mega monster universe and at the end of Godzilla King of the Monsters they discover a second Mothra egg so while our original Mothra is no longer with us that is not to say we could not see Mothra again in one of these movies whether or not we want one of these movies after having watched Godzilla vs. Kong is a separate story entirely that has been it for this episode thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed it we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing